Kansas decommit Marcus Adams Jr. is reportedly going to visit Gonzaga and as a potential sit-out transfer, he is the perfect, perfect player to add as a developmental piece if the staff can convince him to come out to Spokane. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Happy Friday. Happy July Friday. Always a good time. Unfortunately, I am dealing with allergies in this summer season, if you guys can hear it in my voice a little bit. So apologies for that. We got some scheduling stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about what the schedule already looks like for Gonzaga, what some of the additions might potentially be. We're going to close out the show talking about Chet Holmgren getting and getting named to the select squad for Team USA, potentially lining himself up to be a future Olympian. We'll cover all that, but first, we got to talk about the big news. Marcus Adams Jr., who we spoke about on Tuesday's episode of the Locked On Zags podcast, former Kansas commit. Sounds like he's going to take a visit to Spokane. Going to come out west to Spokane, Washington, to check out Mark Few's program. This was according to a tweet from 24-7 High School Hoops on Twitter, so... Somebody that has broken news in the past, but until we hear about an official visit or see him on campus or anything like that, I guess it's speculation at this point. But for those of you who need a refresher, uh, Tuesday's episode has a lot more information about Marcus Adams Jr. If you want to check that out, but he is a six foot eight forward. He is from California, West Coast kid, uh, four star player who reclassified to join the class of 2023, specifically to start his college career at Kansas a year sooner. But after a few months in Lawrence, Kansas, he decided it wasn't for him. And I respect his his honesty and his integrity for those of you who saw the article written at the Kansas City Star, where he basically said, I just didn't feel comfortable there. I, it's nothing against the coaching staff. It's nothing against the fans. It's not a playing time situation, which people have decided that they don't believe him that when he said that, which, you know, if you can choose to believe him or not, I guess it doesn't really matter, but he was pretty adamant that it was a comfort thing. And he did acknowledge that he didn't feel super welcomed by his teammates, which certainly if, if I showed up on campus expecting to be there for four years and, and as much as we know the transfer portal is a huge part of college basketball you still don't commit to school expecting to not be there for very long and he straight up said I don't think I'm going to be here for two or three years I don't feel comfortable here I don't really want to spend that amount of time here so he chose to leave and I think that's I, 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 I totally understandable I think anybody who feels like this doesn't feel right, this doesn't sit well with me, should make the decision to leave. And it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with Kansas. Uh, it doesn't mean that the teammates are all bad people. Certainly, they have a, a notorious villain on their roster in Hunter Dickinson. I'm not saying those things are related, but it is a fact that Hunter Dickinson is, is well known uh, to stir the pot a little bit in his career. Um, but anyway, what this means now is that Marcus Adams Jr. is available, and it's important to note that he is, in fact, a transfer. It's kind of a weird situation because he started his five-year clock by enrolling in classes at Kansas. He became a college student. And because that has happened, he is no longer at the point where he can decommit and recommit to a new school as if he was still a high schooler. He has to enter the transfer portal, and he's going to have to apply for a waiver. And he may not get said waiver. 
meaning that after reclassifying to join college basketball ranks a year early, Marcus Adams Jr. may not be able to play next year. This could create a near-perfect situation for Gonzaga because Gonzaga is looking to replace Alex Tui. They are also looking to replace Malachi Smith as well, and that is where they are interested in Jose Perez out of West Virginia. We've talked about him a handful of times on the podcast. They've also showed interest in Jeremiah Williams, who last played at Temple and spent last year uh, injured at Iowa State. And those are players they're looking at to be veteran guards who come in and play immediate minutes right away, a la Malachi Smith. But if they also want to replace Alex Tui, that is more of a developmental piece. Because Alex Tui probably wasn't going to play very, minute, very many minutes next year. In fact, it was a reasonable expectation that he might redshirt. Of course, Tui opted to decommit from Gonzaga and stay in the professional ranks in Australia. Australia is starting a a league for a youth development league, effectively, that is probably going to prevent a handful of their players from coming over to the United States. Alex Tui being an example, Taron Armstrong being a player who played two years at Cal Baptist, who chose to return to Australia rather than pursue another college destination. Uh, Maybe there's a larger conversation to be had about what this means for St. Mary's, for example, but for Gonzaga, it means they lost out on Alex Tui and they were looking for another player to potentially be a developmental piece through the system. Finding developmental pieces is much more difficult in the modern college basketball than it has ever been historically, and it is not hard to see why. Players don't have to be as patient as they've had to be historically because they can enter the portal. If I'm not playing as many minutes as I want to play at said school, I can go somewhere else. And that's not a bad thing. Some people will disagree. I mean, that's my opinion. I suppose that some people may find that to be a bad thing. I think player autonomy is generally good. I think there needs to be more rules than there are now. And I think a situation like what just recently happened at Tennessee, where they committed a player in early April out of the transfer portal, and then all of a sudden in late July, he decides to leave and goes to St. John's, that would be very frustrating as a coach. If Steel Venters or Graham E.K. or Ryan Nempard, God forbid, were to suddenly leave Gonzaga at this point, that would be really frustrating. I get it. But it is happening in college basketball. With Marcus Adams Jr., though, the key here. And Matt Norlander at CBS Sports wrote a very, very good article about how the modern rules in college basketball are changing how coaches are recruiting players. The most valuable player that you can acquire right now is a freshman who has already transferred because they have the maximum number of years of eligibility still remaining while not being able to transfer without applying for a waiver. This is the most valuable player available. Players like Arterio Morris, who transferred from Texas to Kansas this year after one freshman year at Texas. MJ Rice, who was at Kansas, did not play very much as a freshman, but was a top 30 prospect. He transfers to NC State. NC State's going to hope that MJ Rice is a top 20 caliber recruit and that he's going to spend multiple years in their program. That is the ideal situation. Now, Gonzaga fans, we have been burned by this. Efton Reed was that type of player. Top 25 prospect in his recruiting class, had only spent one year in college, theoretically was going to come to Gonzaga, develop in the system, and be, you know, the kind of player with his pedigree could have emerged into something great and was expected to do it at Gonzaga. He did not. He chose to transfer after one year. I don't know if he's going to get a waiver to play at Wake Forest right away or not. And I don't think we should say that Efton shouldn't have been able to do that. If he didn't want to be here, he should have been able to transfer. But 
those are the kind of players that generally are going to be valuable because they are less likely to transfer and have to sit out a year. Marcus Adams Jr. would be an incoming freshman who's never been in college, who is in fact a year younger than most freshmen, and who already would have to sit out a year if he wanted to transfer. That is like landing a gold mine top 50 caliber player ranked 48th in the class of 24 seven or in the class of 2023, excuse me at 24 seven sports. That's about seven spots behind dusty Stromer, at least again, according to 24 seven sports. So you're landing a top 50 prospect who is going to have a much more difficult time transferring again. That's why Gonzaga is so interested here. Gonzaga is of course not alone in being interested in Marcus Adams Jr. We know that Oregon reached out. We know that West Virginia has reached out. Uh, BYU has reached out. Missouri has reached out. Boston College has reached out. There have been a handful of schools that have contacted Marcus Adams Jr., but the only school that has reportedly landed a visit with Adams is Gonzaga. Again, that's as of this conversation right now on Friday morning. It'll likely change. I mean, it'll almost certainly change, but it is Easy to see why Gonzaga would be so invested in potentially landing Marcus Adams Jr. here. In terms of who he is as a basketball player, we haven't seen a ton from him. He didn't play high-level competition in high school, so some of his numbers are skewed. He had like a 50-point, 20-rebound game, which is incredible, extraordinary, but you know he didn't do that in, in a high-level tournament or anything like that. He's got a ton of athleticism, high-level upside, according to Eric Bossi at 24-7 Sports, wrote up a really nice recap of who he is, but... At the end of the day, if Gonzaga believes this is a player they can develop within their system and that they could get him to stick around for a couple of years, that is an extraordinary addition and one that Gonzaga fans should be keeping a close eye on right now because it's probably not going to impact the roster next year, but it could be a huge, huge addition for them down the line. Well, Gonzaga has a handful of games left to schedule in the non-conference. Who might those opponents be? Why might they schedule the way that they're going to schedule? We're going to tell you all of that after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. For a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when all the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers and eligible items only. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking us out on YouTube. It is very much appreciated. We'll be back next week with more conversation about Gonzaga's remaining roster spots, what they might do with them. Continue to have more guests on the show. I loved having two guests on this week. Always a blast to get a chance to have some different basketball minds on the show. So keep us plugged in every single day of the week as we get into July or get out of July and into the rest of the summer here on the Locked On Zags podcast. And one of the things that's going to come up in the next couple of weeks is the rest of Gonzaga's non-conference schedule. No major updates right now, but I want to go through what that schedule looks like at this point in the offseason, how many more games they might add, how many more marquee opponents they might add, and what that all might look like. 
So here is the Gonzaga non-conference schedule so far. Very few dates are known, but we do know a handful of opponents, starting with John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. The Zags are going to Lexington to play at Rupp Arena, Kentucky's actual home arena in this what they are calling home-and-home series between the Zags and the Wildcats. Kentucky in an interesting spot for a while. They looked like a team that could be in some serious trouble next year. For at one point, they had seven players on the roster. Five of them were incoming freshmen, very highly regarded freshmen, but in a class that is historically very weak. They only had two returners on that roster. Since then, they have gotten a commitment from Trey Mitchell out of the transfer portal from West Virginia. He's a really nice addition for that team. They also got back Antonio Reeves, who averaged 14 and a half points per game for Kentucky last year. This team participated in the Global Jam uh, a couple weeks ago or last week, uh, beat up on some teams that would probably be decent college basketball teams, and they, they, they did not lose a game in this tournament. They have some injuries that they're dealing with, some guys who might end up still being injured when Gonzaga plays Kentucky. That's Aaron Bradshaw and Onyanoso. Uh, if those guys are out or one of those guys is out, that's going to hurt their depth, but that should still be a very fun game. Gonzaga will probably be higher ranked i'm not 100 percent sure on that it depends how their first couple games go of course when this game ends up being on the calendar it might be one of the very first ones uh but for for kentucky the playing at rough arena against a really athletic really young team uh it could go a lot of different directions it's gonna be a really fun one zag's also got yukon how fun is this going to be, folks? UConn in Seattle, Climate Pledge Arena. Battle in Seattle is back, similar to what they did with Alabama. It's a neutral site, neutral site uh, series. Alabama, of course, played at Climate Pledge Arena, and then Gonzaga played them in Birmingham this past season. UConn, it's going to be in Seattle for Gonzaga's portion of the home and home, and then it'll be at the Madison Square Garden Mecca of basketball really fun two-game series going on here between mark few and danny hurley's team gonzaga also has yale on the schedule one of their i think the first home game that officially got scheduled they'll take on the bulldogs a 21 win team last season solid ivy league program second time these two teams have ever met the first time gonzaga lost but that was back in 1991 the Zags are also, of course, in the Maui Invitational over November 20th through the 22nd. We don't know which three teams they will play, but we know it'll be out of this group of very, very talented programs. Kansas, Marquette, Purdue, Syracuse, Tennessee, UCLA, and of course, the host school, Chaminade. So Gonzaga is going to get a couple of really nice games out of that tournament as well. Still working on finalizing the details, but it does sound like Gonzaga is going to take on the UCLA fighting Bronny Jameses on December 2nd in either the MGM or Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. That is going to be a blast of a game. Bronny James versus Dusty Stromer, part a million. Those two guys have played each other a whole bunch in their high school careers. It'll be fun to see them square off again. USC also brings back Boogie Ellis, who was a top performer in the Pac-12 last year. They have the number one recruit in the 2023 class in Isaiah Collier. It's going to be a good team for Andy Enfield and the Trojans. Should be a fun game there as well. Zags will take on another Pac-12 opponent in Washington, the fourth part of their four-part series between these two teams. We'll see if they re-up the series after this. That game is going to be at Alaska Airlines Arena in Seattle, Washington. So they're going to play twice in Seattle next year. Uh, 13 of the last 14 have been won by the Zags. We'll see if that streak can continue. And then Gonzaga also has Mississippi Valley State. This is one of their tune-up games. There's always a couple of tune-up game, tune games every single non-conference schedule. This game will take place December 11th at 
the McCarthy Athletic Center, Mississippi Valley State went five and twenty-seven last year, and four and fourteen in the SWAC conference. So that's what we know. That's nine games that we know right now on the schedule. Last year they played fourteen non-conference games. Last year, by my count, based on my judgments of the opponents, they played five marquee opponents. They played three opponents in the MTE last year in the Phil Knight Invitational. They played two decent opponents, you know, not necessarily tune-up games, but not necessarily marquee. Uh, last year, that was what I would I would consider Washington and Kent State as the decent opponents. Then they played four tune-up style games. So if we assume Gonzaga attempts to follow a similar pattern this year, which is not necessarily going to be the case, but let's assume for argument's sake that they attempt to play a similar schedule. Right now, they have three marquee games already scheduled, UConn, Kentucky, and USC. They have what I would consider two decent games in UW and Yale, and they have one tune-up game in Mississippi Valley State. So in my mind, they're going to add two more marquee games and three more tune-up games. Marquee is very broad, very vague. I don't know because they, I mean, UConn, Kentucky, and USC is already a really nice non-conference schedule all three of those teams should be ranked all three of those teams should be ranked in the not even in the bottom half necessarily like those might all be we'll see about usc and kentucky's kind of you know we'll see where they end up too but uconn should be a top 10 team kentucky and usc could easily be top 20 teams um uw and yale decent teams not great but fine like the the kind of caliber games we expect gonzaga to play uh, a handful of every single year so who are the rest of the marquee opponents they're going to add are we talking elite tier top 10 type programs? You know, are we talking Duke? Are we talking North Carolina? Are we talking Arkansas? Baylor. Baylor's a team Gonzaga has played a lot. I would not be shocked to see Baylor end up on that calendar. Scott Drew loves, 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 loves challenging himself in the non-conference. We've already heard Baylor rumored to play Duke. Uh, Baylor rumored to play Michigan State. I could see Baylor wanting to add Gonzaga. I could see Gonzaga wanting to add Baylor. I could see Gonzaga wanting to play Duke or Michigan State. They, of course, played Tom Izzo and the Spartans last year. Maybe they try to do that again. Arkansas makes a lot of sense to me as a team that uh, has a very, very new-look roster next season. There's obviously some history between those two programs. I could see that one getting scheduled. And then I put BYU here. BYU is not a marquee opponent uh, in the same way. They're not going to be a top 25 team next year. They're not going to be a top 25 team at any time next year. They're probably not going to finish in the top 75% of the Big 12 conference. I think it's reasonable to expect they will finish towards the very bottom. But it is a marquee opponent in terms of status. It is a marquee opponent in terms of a rivalry. Uh, and I think it would be fun to get that game on the calendar. Again, I wouldn't want to, rep- I wouldn't pick them over Baylor. I wouldn't pick them over really any of these other opponents, but if BYU emerged as a potential option for Gonzaga to play, I would love to add that to the calendar. A home-and-home series, true home, true home for both sides would be a really, really fun game. Of course, this is not unusual. These two teams played each other home-and-home for the last decade, but I think it'd be fun to add it as a marquee non-conference opponent uh, for both sides. And then the tune-up games. And to be clear, there are other options for for marquee games as well. As I think there are some teams that Gonzaga could add if they don't end up playing them. But the problem is they they may end up playing them in Maui. Love to see them play UCLA. Love to see them play Xavier. Love to see them play Purdue. All three of those games could end up happening in Maui. So they're not going to add them to the schedule. I don't think they're going to add Arizona. Like there's a lot of other teams that probably just aren't going to get picked, uh, but that I think would be really, really fun for them to play. And then in terms of tune-up games, I expect three more kind of 
games on the calendar that people who don't understand how scheduling works like to laugh at because they think, oh, Gonzaga only plays teams like Idaho and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, every team plays a few of these games every year. It's just part of how scheduling works. Uh, those schools need those games to make some money. Gonzaga needs those games and, and teams like Gonzaga and other marquee programs need these games for tune-ups to make sure that they, you know, it's just a part of college basketball. It happens in college football too. Oregon's starting their college football season playing Portland State this year. It's just part of how this sport works. So for some tune-up games, I have continued. Those of you who are longtime listeners, who are everyday listeners, who've heard me talk about scheduling in the past, you know a couple things about me. One, I love when Gonzaga plays regional non-conference games. I think it's cool that they have this relationship with the SWAC and they play teams like Alcorn State and Texas Southern and Mississippi Valley State. And I do think that that's cool and it's valuable because it's bringing money to those universities that need money. And I think that that is an honorable thing that Gonzaga does. And I also think it's cool that these opponents get to come out to Spokane and play somewhere that they probably wouldn't have gone otherwise. But I also like when they play them regionally. So for me, my top choice always, forever and always, will be I want Gonzaga to play Seattle U. I went to Seattle U. I don't hide that there is a, a personal reason that I want this game to happen, but it is a in-state school. It is a, a program that is similar in terms of academics. There's a lot of similarities between the universities of Seattle and the University of Gonzaga. Gonzaga University, it sounded weird saying it that way. Um, Basketball-wise, obviously, Seattle U is not going to present a huge competition for Gonzaga, but that's okay. I think it would be a fun game, and I'm sad that this one hasn't happened yet. Similar veins, although these games have happened, Eastern Washington, I'm not sure if they'll play because of the Steel Venters conversation. Teams tend to not play. Like I don't, I didn't add Creighton to this list for the same reason. Uh, Idaho team Gonzaga's played in the past. Montana team Gonzaga's played in the past. NAU would be super fun. Northern Arizona in part because Gary Bell Jr. is an assistant coach at at Northern Arizona. And I think it'd be fun to get a chance to see him in action on the sideline. UC Santa Barbara would almost kind of fall into that uh, that category above tune-up because UC Santa Barbara added some really talented players this offseason. They're one of the best teams in the Big West and one of the better mid-major programs on the West Coast. So that would kind of be a, a elevated tune-up game for Gonzaga, like the Kent State, like the Yales. So I think that would be kind of a fun one to see them put on the calendar if they could. Uh, and then I Valparaiso is the last one on my list. I don't think Gonzaga is going to play Valpo because Roger Powell – Longtime assistant coach at Gonzaga took the head coaching job at Valpo, and I would be shocked. Gonzaga's not playing Arizona because of Tommy Lloyd. I don't think Gonzaga's played Long Beach State since Dan Monson took over there. I don't think Gonzaga's played Boise State since Leon Rice took over as their head coach. So I'd be pretty surprised to see Gonzaga play Valparaiso with Roger Powell at the helm there. But man, it'd be kind of fun to get a chance to see Roger uh, Roger go back to work uh, coaching against the Zags. Well, Chad Holmgren will be a part of Team USA's training camp for the 2023 FIBA World Cup. What does it mean for his odds of actually being an Olympian? All that coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three here. Still any patents, still locked on Zag. Rounding out the show and the week here on Friday, talking about Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren was one of five players selected to the U.S. select team. These players travel to the Philippines as replacements for Team USA in the upcoming FIBA World Cup tournament. Basically, this means they are a taxi squad. He may not end up playing, but if somebody gets hurt who is on the current roster, then these guys would step into play. 
Chad Holmgren, again, one of five players named to that roster. The others are Cade Cunningham, the first overall pick in 2021. Jalen Green for the Houston Rockets. Cunningham is with the Pistons. Keegan Murray for the Sacramento Kings. And Jalen Williams, former Santa Clara small forward, now playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. First of all, shout out Jalen Williams. Two years removed from being a starter at a mid-major school in Santa Clara that nobody had heard of. Nobody knew who he was. Less than two years later, he's now traveling with Team USA. That is an extraordinary glow up. Like, we're not shocked Chet Holmgren is here. We're a little bit more surprised that Chet Holmgren is here coming off of a year-long injury. Kudos to him for getting healthy enough to put himself in a position where he can be available to Team USA. That takes incredible hard work and dedication, and he deserves a ton of praise for that. But nobody's shocked that Chet Holmgren might someday represent the United States in the Olympics. I, I don't think anybody is, but Jalen Williams, that is an extraordinary story. I'm very happy for him. Very happy for the Santa Clara program. Very happy for the coaching staff there to have seen this player turn into what he has become. It's a really inspirational story in the NBA right now. Tournament takes place August 25th through September 10th. The USA is in group C. They should have no problem advancing. The roster for team USA is very solid. It is a, a younger roster, uh, made up primarily of, of, of younger guys, not necessarily who's going to represent them in the actual Olympics when we might see some more of the older guys, more veteran guys, more future Hall of Fame type guys representing the country. But for this roster for Team USA right now, it is really fun. You have Paolo Bancaro, you have Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson. You have Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves, Tyrese Halliburton. You have Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cam Johnson for the Nets, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, and Austin Reeves. So that's what we're looking at right now for Team USA heading into the FIBA World Cup. Chet Holmgren could be among the players who joins that roster should there be an injury at any point. And Chet would be is, is joining a long history of former Zags participating in FIBA World Cups. Kelly Linick and Kevin Pangos are already set to participate for Team Canada. There's a good chance those players are end up participating with the actual Olympic squad in Paris in 2024, assuming Canada qualifies. Kevin Pangos' roster spot is a bit more tenuous than Kelly's. Kelly is a lock to be with that team going forward. Uh, quite honestly, Kevin Pangos almost, perhaps almost lost his spot to Andrew Nembhard. I don't know the exact specifics. I do know, according to Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review, who's on Wednesday's episode of Locked on Zags, check it out if you have not done so yet. He dropped a nice little nugget in the third segment talking about how Andrew Nembhard was invited to participate with Team Canada, but he chose not to. I don't know if he would have taken Kevin Pangos' spot. I have no idea what the hierarchy on the roster looks like there, but uh, either way, the, the Zags do have two players with Team Canada. Rui is not participating in this go-around with the FIBA Japanese team. Perhaps he will come around in the Olympics next year. We'll see. That was kind of a, a, a not very good experience for him last time around, so he may opt not to do that again, but he will certainly be invited as one of the premier Japanese basketball players. Joel Iyai spent some time with the French national team this year. We'll see if he ends up getting onto those FIBA rosters. DeMontis Sabonis is almost certainly going to represent Lithuania. He's one of the best Lithuanian basketball players of all time, uh, only for sure topped by his father, Arvidas Sabonis, who's one of the best European basketball players of all time, if we're being honest. So lots of zags getting these opportunities. And it's one of my favorite things about covering Gonzaga specifically is that in the middle of these summer months, when we're far removed from the previous season, when we're still far away from the next season, when we're not in baseball season anymore, when there's a little bit less to talk about, 
getting an opportunity to see former Zags representing their country, wearing their uniforms, and knowing that it's not just from one school or one country. Gonzaga has Lithuanians, Canadians, Americans, French. Historically, they've had so many more. Philip Petrusev is Serbian. Like they, it, the list goes on and on and on. Jun Sok Yo on the team right now, South Korean. Perhaps he will be an Olympian in the not too distant future. This is, and and shout out of course to Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. Now at Arizona, who's a longtime assistant coach at Gonzaga, who who helped recruit so many of these players. Not all of them, mind you. Mark Few has done a good job, and and his staff has done a good job since Tommy's departure, including a player like Yo. But this is. One of the coolest things about Gonzaga is this kind of smorgasbord of talent from different countries and different walks of life who have come together to build this program over the last 20 years. And watching the Olympics and seeing multiple players from Gonzaga who all congregated in this little town in Spokane uh, and have all now gotten to wear different u- uniforms representing different countries in the in the Olympics is, is, a, is a really cool part of Gonzaga's history and something that I'm, I'm honored and happy to get to cover here on Locked on Zags. And that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen or your first watch every single day. We got more coming your way next week, more Olympic stuff, more transfer portal stuff, uh, more looks into the actual roster as it is right now, what the starting lineups, what the rotations might look like, all that stuff coming your way on Locked on Zags next week. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, go Zags.